Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. American Glutton Podcast has a Patreon. Do you hate commercials? Well, we've got a Patreon. Do you want bonus episodes? That's on the Patreon. Do you want to hang out and chat in our Discord channel? That's part of the Patreon, too. We even have an option where you can leave me voicemails. All on the Patreon. So check it out today. Patreon.com slash American Glutton. We have a Patreon. Hi. I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. Benjamin Franklin said, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. And he couldn't be more right. One of the biggest issues I've had in dieting over the past decades has been, I didn't do enough diligent meal prep. I didn't have what I needed to hand when I needed it. As soon as I got that straightened out, it all went better. And I got to tell you, the biggest boon to meal prep I've had has been Trifecta. They have what I need, when I need it, ready to go. It's here. It's in my fridge. I don't have to think about anything. I know when to eat. I know the amount. Boom. Done. Wham. Bam. Thank you, ma'am. Trifecta has literally changed my life. Go to trifectanutrition.com slash American Glutton where new customers can save up to 40%. Again, that's trifectanutrition.com slash American Glutton. Today I'm joined by Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, the medical director of Joint Sequence and the co-host of the Docs Who Lift podcast. He is an obesity, lipid, and meme specialist physician. I hope you enjoy our conversation. 
Dr. Spencer Nadalski, welcome back to the American Glutton Podcast. Always a pleasure. I love it. I wanted to ask you about seasonal weight gain and New Year's resolutions. Can we take up seasonal weight gain first? My understanding is that this is the time when people tend to, the average American tends to put on weight. Is that true? Yeah. Well, so, you know, there's some people that look at these, uh, you know, weight calculations and calorie calculations and, and say things like, can you imagine that, you know, this weight gain was only caused by an extra, whatever, small, very small amount, 50 calories, 10 to 50 calories. Half an apple a day is all I yeah. did. Yeah. And and that doesn't take into account the dynamic changes in your body and all that. So it's kind of a, it's a silly calculation. It's, 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 it's actually, I, I would say not pseudoscientific, but uh, intellectually dishonest, honestly. But if you look at kind of observational data and what people say, you know, some people be like, I gained 10 pounds at Thanksgiving and then it kept going into the holidays. And, you know, you, you look at the actual observational data that that much doesn't happen, but there does seem to be a little uptick in uh, weight gain when you just when you just watch people's weight over over time, and so it, it there is something to it, and it makes sense intuitively. It's not as dramatic as what most people say, or kind of the the wives' tales or whatever you know term people are using. I don't even know if that's is that politically incorrect to say wives' tales. Wives' I don't even tales? Know. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know. I, maybe I've heard that. I'm not. Well, sure, hey, but... by, you didn't call them old wives, so maybe no. you're ha- you're halfway to being politically correct. <laughs> so, but so there is there is something to it. It's just not as much as what people say, but there is something to that. So you know, you go. It's it's it always starts with Thanksgiving. Actually, you know what? It might start more with. Uh, could be starting more with uh, Halloween, you know, kids Halloween candy, overeating some of that. And then it kind of just goes into the holiday of, of Thanksgiving. And for some reason, you know, I, I like Thanksgiving. Um, it, it never really it never really hit me. Uh, I was actually, you know, a heavyweight wrestler. So and my brother was a he always cut weight to make 149 pounds in college. And I was trying to gain weight in high school. So he'd be force feeding me my plate, but like, I never, I could never eat as much as what other people, you know, they just keep going back for more and more and, and cookies and cakes and pies and everything like that. But some people say like, yeah, this is my time to eat. And they'll, um, they'll load up their plate. I mean, I don't know what your experience with that has yeah. been in the past. Anecdotally, I, I mean, Thanksgiving, you know, it all just seems to be this season of uh celebrating with food so it is yes. certainly halloween is 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 one but i haven't really participated in halloween in the in the consumption part since i was a kid but right. like that's an interesting benchmark because that even moves it up a month mm-hmm. from thanksgiving but f- really for me thanksgiving through christmas there just seems to be a lot of um things are uh, that are uh, surrounding food and eating eating yeah. with family eating with friends yep. going to christmas parties and um so so that part resonates with me and then it's kind of tough to be the guy dieting you know like yeah. if, if everybody's celebrating with food especially if it's like potluck to some degree and you know your your aunt wants you to try this 
casserole dish that she made that's <laughs> mostly fat. You um, got to try the casserole. <laughs> right. And so then you're the guy going like, no, I'm only having turkey breast uh, and I'm even pulling the skin off of it. Right. And yeah. and that's that sucks just as much as, you know, even when I am successful with moderation, I wind up going to sleep on Thanksgiving night with a little bit of a stomach ache. And, okay. and, and that's just I think um, because I'm suddenly eating foods I'm unaccustomed to eating, even if I'm having a very small portion, uh, you know, it's not stuff I'm used to eating. And then I and then I there's guilt over that. And and it, it does have the potential to make me go like, well, fuck tomorrow, even yes. though I'm much better at, at not saying that nowadays than I had been in the past. You, you bring up good points. So when you look at like overfeeding studies and this is where studies where they like force feed people and see what happens, you know, some people gain weight, some people don't, what happens to some people that gain weight, what, what's going on with the people that don't, what's going on here. But on, on average, if you look at like how many extra calories could you eat in one day and how much of an impact does it make? The thing is, if people are gaining significant amounts of weight, it, it just it, it would be very hard to to for it to be just one day of overeating. Right. Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, Christmas Eve or Christmas or whenever people are having their family over. So there has to be some some spillover into the season, I would say, to make this much of a difference. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it can't be just one one day. No, uh, yeah, and I I I can gain ten pounds in a day on the scale. I that's that's mm -hmm. like really not not difficult for me. Um, but I know, like, I have to. I, I I actually stay away from the scale after a meal like Thanksgiving because suddenly my carbs and fat and salt are all way yeah. up, and I know that there's going to be a big a market difference on the scale. And I know that that's going to be mostly water. And if yeah. I get back on my plan the next day, then I'm going to be fine. Yes. So, uh, yeah, you also bring up a good point. So you understand the fluid shifts. Other people may not. But the amount of fat that you actually, the adipose that you uh, gained from that one day would be very, very small versus the, the weight, the scale change. And so, but what I think happens is what you suggested is like families here. I had one meal out, you know, whatever. I'm just going to keep rolling with it throughout this whole season up to New Year's. And then there's the New Year's resolution, of course, but, and we can get into that. But um, I think, I think there is obviously something we see this with the observational data. There's a small percentage increase when you just watch people over the course of the holiday season, it's a slight uptick. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's the introduction of a pumpkin spiced latte, which <laughs> like I, I'm not even a latte person, but suddenly that catches my attention. Eggnog catches my attention. These these kinds of foods are not um, present in my life at all. It, it would be like if I had a real thing for the McRib. And then maybe gained weight when the McRib came out. You know what I mean? It's, it's like there's just a a vibe of like, let's eat fatty, sugary things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think it I think the, the other thing, if we get into New Year's resolutions is like I, I've never once woken up on New Year's Day 
or like had an epiphany at the stroke of midnight and gone like, this is what I'm going to change. This is what mm -hmm. I'm going to achieve. So I'm thinking about that a month or two or three months out. Like, what am I going to do next year? The year's coming to a close. This year's shot. I can't accomplish anything this year. So what am I going to put off till next year? And then what has seemed to happen for me in the past is then it's like, well, then all governors, all limits, all the breaks are off. Mm -hmm. and, and the rest of the month is fair game. And so if I go like I need to lose 40 pounds, it becomes 60 pounds somehow mm -hmm. on January 1st. That's another thing that I've I've had trouble with in the past. Yeah, this on or off all or nothing thinking. I mean, I'd say most of my patients coming in have felt that way. My goal is to switch it into this like look, you, you generally don't get a hundred percent or a zero percent on a test. You know, when you're in grade school, you, you may get an A and it might've been a 93%. You might get a B, it might've been an 84 or whatever. But generally, unless it was like a one, a one question quiz, you know, and you, you missed it, something like that. But in general, in tests and in classes overall, you have homework, quizzes, tests, you know, projects and all that type of thing. And you get, you know, some sort of area under the curve grade, you know, you, you have all these things that add up and average over the semester or whatever it was. And the same thing is with nutrition. Like for some reason though, we feel like we have to be on a diet. It has to be new year's resolution. I'm going to start then versus off. Whereas like, what if you just kind of said, well, through this holiday season, I'm just I'm going to allow myself some of the stuff, some of the stuff that, you know, may be high in calories and easily, easily overeaten. Some people may call that junk food. I, I don't know. That's another politically, I don't know. It's not politically incorrect, but some people don't like that term. I think if you understand the term for what it is and not demonize foods, it's fine. But I would just call them easily overeaten, yummy foods, high in calories, whatever, yeah. who cares? It doesn't, you know, let's just describe it then. And if you, if you allow some people allow themselves some of that, but like you said, maybe focus more on those lower uh, calorie, high filling, satiating foods for the most part and kind of minimize that kind of screw it uh, mentality. Those people, th those people have a longer term outlook on, on this anyway and tend to do better in general. And I think you've adopted that type of mindset if that, uh, if it, that's what it sounds like to me anyway, I've, I've tried, you know, I do get in trouble with the bees when I'm thinking, because like, there's part of me that scientifically or rationally goes like, all I need is a bee, right? The 80, 20 rule is, yeah. is very real. All that's all I need. But when I'm thinking that way, I don't think I'm ever actually achieving 80, 20. If, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. I think I, like my life requires a bit more diligence. I don't have to get A's, but if I'm aiming for A's, I might be getting B's and yeah. not even realizing it. If yeah. That, if that makes sense. I think that, I think that that's reasonable. Yeah. That's reasonable. But you're not, are, are you shooting for a hundred percent? No, I can't. I mean, I have, um, if, if I wanted to do like, uh, you know, if somebody came and said like, you're going to do a book cover photo shoot, yeah. I would I would have to get on the on the track for 100 percent. And I know I can do that. But but there have been even times this year where I've un with no motivation, just gone like, 
I'm going to go on a diet. And, and, and then, you know, my kids come home from school and they're making concoctions in the kitchen and tell, asking me to taste it. And I'm going like, yeah, I can taste this. And then, so there's this weird thing of like perceived effort in put in doing a diet and not, mm -hmm. and then no results. And so like, it doesn't reduce the amount of perceived effort that I'm putting yes. in. So that's a weird thing too, um, that I I'm sure you see in people. Oh yeah. Yeah. That the perceived effort's a big, big issue. So that's, that's the, what, what people say, if whoever's listening, when people are losing weight and all of a sudden they start gaining weight around the six or even, you know, 12 months, you see it kind of the, the, the trough of the, of, of the weight graph. And then all of a sudden you, you start seeing it go back up, boop, 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 around 12 months. You're like, holy cow. Um, this person says they're working hard. They're eating 1200 calories for whatever reason, why, why it's 1200 calories. I don't know, but that's it's what everybody 1200 says. Calories, it's right? always 1200 calories yet. You know, if you, if you gave that person doubly labeled water, you, you figured out how many calories they're burning in a day or their total daily energy expenditure, you know, it could be somewhere around 3000 calories or, or at least 2,500, like twice as many calories as they're, uh, they, that they say they're eating their perceived effort is very high. They feel like they are on a diet, yet they're eating twice as much, if not more than what they say they are, despite their best effort. So that's perceived effort. Whereas like, if you don't have that perceived effort and you're just doing the same thing, the stress and all that is much, much lower. And I don't know if you can speak to that, how you were able to get out of that, but that's a big deal um, in, in patients. We will the, um, when, when I think about stress, I, I kind of think about it in two parts, like, um, but I, I want to know if physiologically, if this kind of, um, this kind of stress can cause hormonal changes. So like, yeah. you know, when we're, when we're actually dieting, we know that uh, over the course of time, there are going to be some hormonal changes caused by the stress of dieting. Can the stress of a perceived diet without even actually dieting cause similar hormonal changes? Yeah. You see what are called instead of like supraphysiological changes in cortisol that everybody thinks about cortisol when they think about stress, uh, there's Cushing syndrome, Cushing's disease. You, you basically have an excess of the hormone cortisol. It can cause it's a, it's a very serious disease. It can cause thinning of your bones, but you, you see this kind of thinning of your um, uh, your, your legs and your arm fat. And then you see a, a gain of fat around your abdomen and you have all sorts of other issues. That's super physiological. And you can also get it from taking, um, you know, prednisone or exogenous, uh, corticosteroids, not anabolic steroids, but corticosteroids, glucocorticoids, uh, prednisone and those types of, um, exogenous steroids for whatever rheumatological diseases or inflammatory diseases. So you see that in them, but physiological changes in cortisol happen when you're stressed re regardless. And so likely, and you see that there have been some observational data. It's really hard to, you know, study this and uh, like an RC you'd have to, what you'd have to do is if you're doing like a randomized control trial, you'd have to stress one group and not stress another group. And then you'd have to monitor their changes in, in cortisol over a long time. But what you see in people that seem to be more stressed is that they do have measures of cortisol that are a little bit higher in their hair samples. And in those people, they tend to have a little bit more abdominal fat. 
And so it's likely that higher amounts of stress, even from just perceived effort from dieting could increase cortisol. Now, what, what's that going to do? So people will still say calorie deficit doesn't really matter. Well, true, but cortisol could potentially have a nutrient partitioning effect. The nutrient partitioning effect as you know, and I actually used you in the, in this, um, uh, example when I was I was doing a debate on resistance training versus aerobic training for uh, uh, dieting, like if you, if you if you for fat loss and aerobic training. Not to get off a too much tangent, aerobic training has more fat loss, you know, uh, time for time. However, resistance training has this more part, nutrient partitioning effect. Those people who are eating the same amount of calories, they'll be putting more of the calories towards muscle building versus those who are doing aerobic. So cortisol though, may have a nutrient partitioning effect to uh, increase adipose around the abdominal region. So it's possible that those with this more perceived effort, didn't, you know, you see the commercials or take this pill and you're going to lower your cortisol and we're going to shrink your belly. I, that doesn't, that, that those things haven't panned out. But over time, maybe a little bit higher perceived effort, a little bit more cortisol, it could potentially increase that nutrient partitioning of adipose around your abdomen. It, hypothetically, again, right. I can't, I, can't, I don't want to say for sure, but it is associated with that um, and, and in those people with higher stress. And so what, you know, and, and then the other thing is cortisol can uh, potentially increase appetite and cravings. So uh, your perceived effort is super high. Your cortisol is a little bit higher. Stress is high. It's having the opposite effect of what you want. And it's actually maybe causing more appetite, which leads to more increased calories, which maybe in this person may have an increased calories towards those adipose around your abdomen region. So anyway, there, there's a hypothetical thing there that occurs and it's, it, it likely would have to occur over a long period of time. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, you know, it's so difficult because, like, if somebody um, offhandedly just says, "How'd you, how'd you lose weight?" Like, the answer that pops into my head is diet and exercise. Right? Yeah. It's just what I think, and and it's the also the worst thing you can say to somebody because it's so. It's true and also not true at the same right. time you, you know because it's like my entire life is completely different and that's a big part of it um but like the mechanics are diet and exercise i, we, I don't know <laughs> we had this podcast about whether obesity is a choice i don't know how many months ago that right. was and so the you see the fitness professionals and all these people be like well clearly it was a choice they ate too many calories it's like and then how did somebody lose weight? They ate fewer calories than they burn. It's like true, technically true. <laughs> right. But what was the underpinning of what the, all the stuff that went into that? Yeah. Like you're saying, it's like exactly what you're saying is diet and exercise. Yes, that's that's how you did it. But how you got to that point to be able to do that sustainably, it's it's a whole nother ballgame. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is like just... Um saying to somebody be wealthy you know yes how 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 did you get that car well i'm wealthy yeah so i made more money i made more money, I made more money <laughs> yeah well how'd you do that well Work harder 
work harder. Well, how did you, how did you do that in the, t- yeah, no, it's, and it, that's, that's a great discussion because it, it does start getting people to think about it a little bit. Like, and so on Twitter, I, I don't even know why I do Twitter. I, I, I hate it. It's, it's <laughs> You're actually a wonderful troll. I, I do. I, I, for some reason I, you know, and people are like, you're a shit poster. And I'm like, I do. I like making funny memes and the, the memes that I make though on Instagram, I can, I can give a little bit more context and background on Twitter. I have whatever it is, 180 characters. And even it's, it, it will never do it justice. So sometimes I just post the meme with no context and people don't, that don't know me on well on that know me on Instagram or wherever, or Facebook are just like, they get extremely mad, like specifically the, the keto, um, uh, people. Yes. But I, the I, keto I, people are real dude. It, you know, I, I am, I am a firm believer that, um, the, the, the real issue I have with keto is it's often sold as like, you can eat whatever you want as long as it's yes. within these parameters. That's really the only real problem I have with it. And I yeah. think I have that problem because it's the same thing with health food. Like I was largely raised on quote unquote health food. I, I, I for, yeah. there was a point where my mom was like, well, just portion control is not working. So it must be the food. So now we're health yeah. food people. And, and that did nothing for me. Yeah. I yeah. can overeat health food. I, you know, I can overeat, um, you know, uh, Ezekiel bread and turkey sandwiches. I can, I can do that, you know, or whatever version macrobiotic foods I can overeat. And so whenever there's a, a we've beaten energy balance uh, diet, which lots are like blood type. If you just eat for your blood type, you'll be fine. If you (laughs) don't eat processed foods, you'll be fine. If you just don't eat carbs, you'll be fine. Yeah. That to me is a big red flag of like, you're missing something for me. And I think for many people also who are like me. Yep. Yeah. So the, the, the smart keto people will say, no, we know it's energy balance, but this makes us satiated. The, the not so smart keto people would be like, nope, it's all the insulin. The insulin's driving the, the fat gain. And they've been proven wrong. I mean, that that's just not what happens. Um, I would say that there's a, a restriction of t- types of foods that are easily overeaten, whatever you want to call them, junk foods or highly processed, ultra processed, carby, fatty, salty, yummy, extremely yummy, high, highly palatable foods like kettle chips. I love kettle potato chips. I, I Those things are like crack to me. So um, you're avoiding those things. Uh, and then there may be some component of it that may be more satiating in individuals. It's not for, I, like you said, I have patients that have done keto. I see their ketones are high with their little monitors and they have their CGM sometimes, even though I don't necessarily uh, push CGMs or anything like that, but they'll, they'll do it all. And and they're not, they don't lose as much weight as what they've been promised. In fact, not much at all. And it's because they're still hungry and they're overeating ribeyes Ribeye covered in butter. Yeah, you know, I had that honey. last night. Now you can have honey too, which to <laughs> me is completely mind-boggling. Like when I when I was sold keto, you couldn't have fucking honey. Like n- now you I, get honey. I suppose that's the car. That's the carnivores who aren't necessarily keto. Right, right. Honey should kick them out of ketogenesis, but yeah, it's the carnivores are like, no, no, honey's honey's fine now. 
eventually the, that that diet's going to turn into what you're probably doing. It's like, no, 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 let, you know, good brown rice is, you know, whatever you're eating. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and I mean, and the, the other thing is like, just you said the word brown rice. This is like how much of this shit to me is just a fad because as a yeah. kid, I was told you can't eat white rice. White rice yeah. is a processed food. You can only eat brown rice. And as so long yeah. as you eat brown rice, you're fine. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to be fine. And then, but not so long ago, it became, I believe brown rice has more lectins. You can't oh, eat yeah. brown rice. Now white rice is healthier. And it yeah. just like, none of these people are having success because the populace is getting fatter and fatter. If there yeah. was one get with rich quick scheme that worked for everyone it would work for everyone yeah the get rich quick scheme is is demonizing a certain food and writing a book about it and having an instagram social media personality all about it with your shirt off and going to you know the the grocery stores why and is it so dangerous to say this worked for me and it could work for you why is that? So why does it's, it have to be sold as this is the way and the other ways are not right? I don't have understand. You, have you looked and have, are you, have you studied marketing at all? Because that, that right. in a marketing standpoint, when I do that, you know, people trust me. So they, you know, they get my services, but it's they I will never have as much success when it comes to diet and exercise services as I would if I polarized and made it seem like my ways is the only way I know the secret. Right. It just, it doesn't work. It's, it's not, it's a marketing uh, tactic. It's really unfortunate because a lot of uh, physicians do this MDs, DOs, whoever, um, and they'll, they'll push their way of dieting and, and say other ways are not good. And, you know, it's just, you know, again, getting into the intellectual dishonesty it, I, and it, it does, it confuse, I, I get mad. That's why I make memes about it to make fun of these people. And then they, you know, some of these people get mad, but I do it because my patients are just confused. And so what you'll see though, on Twitter or wherever is this big selection bias of survivorship bias really is these people that were successful. So there's like an aggregate of these people that are very passionate about their diet that it's like, no, if you would have done it right, it would have worked. Right. They don't see the failures. I see them. They come to me looking for help because they don't know what to do anymore because they've tried all of these things. So I see all the failures uh, and there's and there's way more of the failures than there are the successes, unfortunately, when it comes to a lot of these kind of, you know, aggressive diets. Now, like you said, there will be people that any of these diets will work for. Yeah. But but yeah, that's but I, I think you're making a great point because like I don't personally know a single person who has who had a bunch of weight to lose did keto lost the weight got all the way down to wherever they wanted to be and kept it off and is having a great life i just don't know anybody i've i yeah. get lots of people online saying i'm that person yeah and i just yes. go like okay you, you can be that person <laughs> it didn't work for me it didn't work for anybody i know but i'm glad yeah. it worked for you and if it worked for you keep fucking doing it that's awesome yes. But yes. those people will also say, I'm the person and here's why it's the correct thing for everybody. And I just yes. am like pulling my hair out of my head going, guy, you think I haven't tried keto? I've even yeah. lost weight with keto. I lost a bunch of weight with keto and then weight loss stopped. 
It just yep. stopped and there was no more weight to be lost. And you know how I lost weight at that point? I dieted. Yeah. So you, fewer, you uh, found yeah. a way to eat fewer calories. Right. I, I was hungry. I made myself hungry. And so like all your things of like, you're never going to be hungry and you can eat whatever you, that's all bullshit. Yeah. The, the, the worst is there are doctors that have done ketogenic diet and they were successful. So they're the, the, the small percentage of people that were successful and they basically promote that way. And so they have the authority of being a physician and then they promote, you know, keto. I, I'll tell you in my medical practice that, you know, the online medical practice that I oversee, we have just thousands of people and we serve they, them all and what they did. And uh, the majority, vast majority of them have done keto and failed. And I'd say, you know, if you look at the studies, they just, it's just not a successful diet. And we talked, spoke offline about like, you know, some of these mechanisms that they come out like, well, it looks like maybe, maybe they burn more calories uh, after a year of being on keto. And there's a lot of uh, debate, debate around that due to the methodologies and whatever. But in the end, when you I look think at I the know outcomes, what study you're talking about. And I yeah, believe they changed the protocols for that study multiple times. Right. There is there is one. Yeah, there is a big there is a big change. And, you know, they'll they'll try to justify it. But honestly, like, let's say let's say there were let's say keto people do burn more. Let's just say it's true. Then why don't we see a difference in outcomes in the long run? We just don't. Why isn't it solved? Like Atkins and keto, they, they've been around for a long time. And yet, like you said. 
because they they love talking about mechanisms instead of outcomes. Yeah, people like these little sexy little mechanisms like we were talking about the cortisol and things like that before. They'll focus on the cortisol and and changes there but like instead of hey but there wasn't really much of an outcome difference. So when it comes to keto and versus any other diet, any other diet in the world, it doesn't matter. The outcomes tend to be about the same in after about a year or you can look at two years specifically and it's just, it's just nothing. So, um, I, I think it's really unfortunate because that's why everybody's confused. Well, maybe yeah. I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Instead of looking at the underpinning issue here of that's probably, you know, we're living in an obesogenic environment. We have holiday seasons where we're getting, you know, going back to the topic at hand or holiday season where it's just extremely yummy food. We like celebrating with food. There's all sorts of different reasons why we eat. It's not even just, it's not strictly just appetite. Are you ever like super full and still want to eat more? I mean, I don't oh know. Oh my God. I, all the time. Yeah. I just did a movie in Montana and it was, uh, you know, averaged 20 degrees, but there were lots of days where it was one degree. Right. And, yeah. and it's snowing and I have flat feet. And I think something about that uh, makes me really detest slipping. So oh. I, I just don't have this balance. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's cold. I'm, I've got an apartment in this little town in Montana and my days are largely going to the gym and going to work. And there is no uh, motivating thing for me to leave the house otherwise. Yeah. Nothing. I don't want to leave. And I'm sitting there. So I'm watching more TV and I'm not actually hungry, but I want to eat. Yes. And and that's just me. And I have to fight that. And and like and and suddenly I'm like getting into this whole thing of like life's not fair. You know, this is hard. Yep. It's really hard to diet now. Suddenly you put me in a really cold environment and dieting becomes exponentially harder for me. Um, and it has nothing to do with how hungry I am at all. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? You know, I have, you know, you have kids, I have kids, the kids can stress me the hell out. I, I just, so this is why I posted on Twitter the other day, getting back to the whole funny things on Twitter. I posted how kids, and, and I, you know, whether kids actually cause weight gain or not, the most <laughs> common, the most common thing I hear from people for the cause of their weight gain. So there's some people that had, uh, you know, weight issues their whole life. So you, for example, explain how you struggled. And there's, there's a lot of those, but the people that gained weight mid midlife, vast majority will point to it's when I had my first or their second kid or whatever. Uh, in majority of the people, you know, it's, it's women that sign up for, you know, weight loss programs. And that's actually in the studies too. Most, most of these weight loss studies are, are women. Uh, it's not, you know, a sexist thing. It's just, the, those are just facts. Yeah. So, um, what they'll say is they'll point to kids. And what was funny is the responses. All I said was, this is what my patients say. Nothing, you know, nothing more. <laughs> and people were just like, they just need to eat fewer calories. Right. And I'm just like. That's not, that's just doesn't not help. Doesn't help not anything. Help. Yeah. But so, but when you look at it, so kids stress. So like, what is it? It's lack of sleep. There's all sorts of things that go into, you know, why we eat and it's appetites. One of them and appetite is a kind of an, an umbrella term because like satiety, you can be, you know, relatively satiated, but then still eat. Does that fall under 
appetite. I, I don't know. I know when I get stressed though, and my kids are just giving me hell about whatever. And I finally get them to sleep. You know, those talk about those, if, those, if there's any of those kettle potato chips around, I'm like, I just need to have a handful. Yeah. So, um, and it, cause it makes me feel good for a second at least. And so, yeah, I think, you know, looking at why people eat is it's important and it's not just like, you know, just go keto. You stay away from that type of stuff. Yeah. If it worked, then everybody would be, we'd, we would have solved obesity a long time solved ago. Obesity. Um, well, there's, so I, I, I might say some of these words wrong, but correct, please correct me if I'm wrong. You're yeah. the, you're the doctor here. There's the homeostatic pathway, which is what we're talking about with hunger. And yeah. there's so much emphasis put on that. And then the other path towards obesity or to eating in general is the hedonic pathway, which yeah. is has nothing to do with hunger, but might make you think you're hungry. And yeah. that's like environment and stress and yeah. kids would be in that, but also advertising and mm -hmm. pre prevalence of food. Um, that seems to be much less talked about in yeah this world of dieting yeah because this is where people will say you just got to eat less move more eat broccoli and chicken you'll be full well you know that's that's easy to say but like when you are i always talk about donut dan at the at the office you know you're, you're going in you're bringing your chicken breast you're bringing your salmon whatever you're bringing your sweet potatoes that are boiled i don't know satiating but relatively good tasting food let's say it's seasoned well and donut dan you're doing well donut dan brings in donuts for the office yeah maybe you can like okay i'm i'm sticking to my guns i'm sticking to my guns but let's say your boss yelled at you and whatever you're getting a little bit stressed donut dan keeps bringing in the donuts and you go to the the break room just to take a breath and this the donuts are sitting right there those things are like made and they you know they taste good i mean i'm not a big donut i'm a, I'm a chocolate chip cookie kind of guy but whatever <laughs> cookie charles cookie <laughs> cookie carol cookie yes. carols bringing those carol. cookies in cookie carols donut dance whoever and you're you're full you just had your lunch you just had your lunch. you don't you don't want anything but there are parts of the brain that it's these these foods have i'm not going to say we talked about food addiction and that I think that other podcast, but like they do have these addictive like properties and there are parts of the brain that have overlap overlaps in there. Like you said, the, the, the hedonic, the, the mesolimbic uh, pathway, the reward pathway, the reward center of your brains. And uh, it's easier said than done. Then you just say, you just need to stay away from that. There's like an itch. I mean, you could talk, you could talk about it way better than I could because you've experienced it more than I have, but well, I've, yeah, I've dealt with addiction to substance uh, yeah. use addiction too. And, and so for me, the, the reason I'm interested in, in talking about it or seeing it talked about is if, um, if somebody just said, uh, just don't do heroin, that's yeah. it. all these junkies should just not be doing heroin. Right. I go like, God, there's a lot more to it than yeah. that. Right. Um, environment, by the way, environment is huge. And then you can't, you, you can't just stop being an American or, I mean, maybe you can, maybe, 
maybe some people can, but you're, you can't stop living on earth, right? Right. You can't move to Mars where heroin's not available. It's kind of this, it's, there's lots of drugs all over the place. I don't know of a, a single place where it's like, no drugs don't exist there. I don't know of that place. And so you gotta come up with uh kind of schemes to separate yourself from all those things that are going to lead you back down that path. And it's not always gonna be just the feeling of withdrawal from dope, right? Yeah, which is the addictive part, like physiologically addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been very long time ago sober for a long period of time and then find myself using drugs going what the hell am i doing yeah. and there's no real explanation because i wasn't physiologically addicted my wasn't yeah. biologically addicted yeah. at the time um and so the awareness of that and talking about that with people who understand that and ha- getting this into the conversation where it's like you're driving home. Your boss yelled at you. Your kids in the back seat screaming. What's going to make you feel better? And then you get the red and yellow sign yeah. with glistening food on it, and uh, or you're you're you know you're at the Best Buy, you know, replacing your iPhone cable, and you're going to check out, and there's Kit Kats, and yeah. you know because we can't escape food here in America. Yep. That is a conversation that is more than just like, don't eat that. Yeah. It's just, there's more to it than that, in my opinion. Yeah. And this is where, you know, so as an obesity specialist, this is where I used, I use medicines to just, when patients have done all the coaching and behavioral therapy coaching and all these different things, I throw in medicines, you know, I talked about this before, but the, those GLP one uh, agonists, they, they, hit these receptors in the brain that not only hit the the homeostatic centers in the hypothalamus, but they also have likely reward pathway uh, hedonic benefits as well, where people, they don't have this urge anymore. They're just like, I know that tastes good and I'll still enjoy it if I eat it, but I, I don't have to have it. Is so that smaglutide? Or- semaglutide. 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 Right. That's that's one of that's the that's the most recent obesity approved um, GLP one agonist. It's a once a week thing. You can see Ozempic is the name brand for the type two diabetes FDA approved version. Wegovy is the obesity approved uh, version of it. But they're the same drug. They're the same drug. It's just, you know, the way they studied them and how the FDA works, it's kind of silly, but honestly, but they have different types of pens. But honestly, I, I actually use Ozempic off-label if I can't get them, Wegovy. And then the newest one, which is only approved for type 2 diabetes at this moment, and if you're listening this, you know, in a year, I, I think it will be approved for obesity soon, for weight loss specifically for obesity and uh, that one's called Manjaro, or the, the the generic name is terzepatide. It's a GLP-1 slash GIP. doesn't really matter, but these that's even more powerful um, uh, when it comes to this stuff. So I have these patients that describe to a T where they have done keto, they've done calorie counting, they've done whatever diet multiple times with great coaches and, and have lost 30 or 40 pounds. And regain it could have been a hundred pounds. They regain it doesn't really matter. The same same kind of cycle, and they go back and forth doing this. And what they describe is that they something about 
the 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 diet wasn't sustainable. And but w- when you ask them to detail, give you a little bit more details, they say it's like, look, I I was doing it, and then I just couldn't anymore. There's and what they what they're basically saying is something about the environment. You know, Donut Dan comes in. I don't know how long you can stay away from Donut. Some people can. Some people can. So this is where you know, see on the internet, like, I don't get it. I did it. I just stayed away. You got to actually want it, and it's that's true. You do have to want it. Um, that's true. It's just there may be stronger urges in some people that will never be able to. I'll never be able to experience the same urges in those people. They're physiological, biochemical, and maybe there's some psychological thing to it as well. Something that happened to them in their childhood that I don't know. Who knows what developed then, but just behavioral therapy isn't strong enough to stop them. So you give them a a medicine, a drug that hits the receptors hard and all of a sudden they can, what I call navigate this obesogenic environment with ease as opposed to someone else who like, Hey, you got to navigate through, I'm going to give you skills to navigate through this. Donut Dan, don't go to the break room, stay away from the break room. You can't, or have a discussion with donut Dan, tell him not to bring in donuts, please have a company wide policy, that type of thing. You could do that. But like with these drugs, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I can see those donuts and not care. It's, it's bizarre. It's really cool. Listen, I'm, I'm super supportive of anything that works. If people are having benefits, then I'm not knocking it. I will say for myself, um, you know, when I was getting off drugs, I didn't want to use methadone. I don't think yeah. they even, I don't even know if they do methadone. There there was a new drug called Suboxone that was, yeah. that was kind of came after I was done with drugs. Um, so maybe methadone is not a thing anymore. But when I was using drugs, it was methadone and you had, that was a big option. Like, we'll just go get on methadone and then you'll yeah. be on methadone <laughs> forever. And that was like, fuck. But so <laughs> I've found that, that simply, um, the recognition and, and conversation around these other pathways and really investigating them has been helpful to me. And I'm not saying that that's what's going to do it for everybody. Maybe some people do need small leg, whatever it's called. Oh, it a, I, I can't say it doesn't matter. Some yeah, doesn't some matter. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's fine. And I'm not even comparing that to methadone. I have no idea what these drugs do, to be honest with you, except for what you're telling me. But yeah. I do I do find that that conversation is is limited. It isn't um, it isn't nearly as omnipresent as here's the diet you need to do. Yeah. For me, the diet is just one aspect. And the, the other thing is a whole is just as important, just as relevant to know, like Donut Dan's not going to stop existing. You know, uh, Cookie Carol is there. McDonald's is a force of nature. Like they know how to make you hungry. Right. And or want to eat or need to eat or comforted by food. They're not going anywhere. So what you're discussing is something called acceptance based therapy, which is probably the most powerful therapy that you can do for, you know, it's even for drugs, uh, alcohol and uh, one of the most powerful, it's it, it's adjunctive. There's you can do all sorts of therapies, but in the studies looking at weight loss, this tends to be tends to be the best. And it, what it you what you have to do is accept there are certain things in your control, but you have to also accept that there's things that are just going to be out of your control. Donut Dan, sure, you can try to control it. You can 
you can try to get him fired. <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. You, you can, can try. shame him. Donut Dan in your poison. You can try to get, you can try to get, you know, your job at home, you, you know, work from home remotely, get a different job. But in the end, you're never going to get off this earth. You, you know, I talk about this, like, what if we could just go to an island? Like, what if I took some people and just said, go to an island? Now you got to fend for yourself. You got to go fishing. You got to go, you know, gather like fruit of some sort. That's not very practical either. Right. So you're going to have to accept that Donut Dan's going to come in. Unless you want to drastically change your life, you're going to accept that. So just understanding and being aware and accepting that he's going to be there and accepting that those donuts are going to taste extremely good, better than maybe your broccoli and salmon and apple or whatever you're going to eat. Um, but you accept it and you go with what, you know, whatever you value. Like a, they talk about a compass as opposed to some goal. Like I want to lose 40 pounds. That's a goal. But what do you value? Why are you doing that? Well, you value living a longer life to hang out with your kids and whatever else, whatever else you you value. It's not really a goal. It's a, it's a long-term kind of compass where you're going towards for your life. So the acceptance-based therapy really pounds that in. And it seems to have a better effect than just kind of telling people, Hey, here's some strategies without this context of acceptance. And so you, your intuition of whenever we have these podcasts, you have, you may not know some of these things, but your intuition is extraordinary because what you just described is that is, yeah. is acceptance and, but also awareness about that and accepting it. I mean that, that, um, to accept the things that we cannot change yeah, and the wisdom to know the difference. Those to me are very profound words because it's like the moment we go like, Oh, <laughs> you know, this is what it is, right? Yeah. What's my path through this? Because this is it. I can't, I can't adjust the world. Yes. Um, what, what do I do that? That has been, that has been very uh big for me that's been the way that's that's that's, that's the way uh, for right. me again for me like if you're if you're success if you're having success on keto don't stop yeah. keep going great i'm not saying keto doesn't work i'm just saying it's not the only fucking game in town yeah think about red lights i get i used to get so mad at red i'm like god damn it like fuck this red light yeah <laughs> yeah and then, you know, and I learned about acceptance-based therapy, whatever it was, eight years ago for weight loss to help my patients. And I was like, I can't change a stupid red light. Why am I getting mad at it? Just like, just, I got to go with it. Yeah. I got to go. And I'll still get mad. And then I'll remind myself, like, it's so stupid yeah. to get mad at the red light. I can't change this thing. I don't have psychic, you know, powers that I can change it with my mind or whatever there's a there's a page in the big book of alcoholics anonymous page 417 which is acceptance and it's all about acceptance and it's and you know not that everybody who needs to like be familiar with aa stuff to lose weight i'm not saying that either but i am saying like you can google uh, the big book of alcoholics anonymous anonymous page 417 and and read there's just a nice couple of paragraphs on acceptance and it's really uh it's really useful to me it's useful mm. you know just going like the world is the world and like if i can recognize that and kind of just not react to it in the way i'm accustomed to reacting to it maybe i'll be better off yeah i love it 
I yeah. like that. I mean, uh, a lot of lessons in life. Yeah, I, I I know we've used up the majority of this conversation <laughs> talking about uh, talking about the holidays and food and sh- crashing diets and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on New Year's resolutions? Yeah, I mean, I think it can be the impetus to change. But here's here's what I always say is like, why wait to the why wait to the New Year's? What's that? That's that. I think to me, it gets people on this yes or no, all or nothing type of mindset. Why not just start making a few changes now? And you sure, like at the New Year's, you can make some bigger changes if you want. That's that's my thing. I I, I would say just be careful with like, now nah, I'm gonna you know go wild right now, and then I'm gonna make a big change because the likelihood of that lasting is 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 low you know low low likelihood have you Um, seen anything in your practice or in studies that uh would kind of um, take into consideration a a gradient approach versus a uh, uh, today everything changes there's so so there is data to show that those who actually lose like lose weight quicker and start off strong tend to do better in the long run. And a lot of, we've talked about this before and cause you said, I wish I would have lost weight slower and this type of thing, but you say that, but then it's like, well, but you were successful this way. And there's some data show that people that tend to do stronger in the beginning, um, are more successful in the long run. And part of that might be just kind of positive reinforcement and and motivation. Like, Oh, I'm seeing this. I'm going to keep going as opposed to kind of that slow, seems like it's going to be forever change and quitting possibly it's, it's hard to know. Oh, wow. Okay. No, that's surprising. So yeah, Uh, I did do that. I definitely started off faster. Like the first hundred pounds I took off was very, very fast, but from like if we if we say like you know you can't i there's no way to really know how much weight i lost because i regained weight a bunch of times yeah. however the first chunk i didn't regain it was this it was the last two thirds that i mm. really had trouble with and i kept trying to do uh i'm gonna lose it all very quick so i lost 100 pounds relatively quick and then it was like, well, the next 200, I want to lose just as quick. Yeah. And that's where I had trouble. So it's interesting that you say that because for me, I go like, well, it took me 15 years yeah. and it, the first chunk took me six months. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, so, but that's really interesting. So like if you were, if you were to design the perfect diet, it would start off with a bang and then go to more of a gradient approach. So, okay. So if I were to, it depends on if we're looking, you know, this is talking about mechanisms versus outcomes. No absolutes. Yeah, sure. So, okay. So if we're looking at mechanisms, if I could control somebody, I would make them go slower. Okay. If I could, if they were a robot. Right. The problem is we're not robots. We're human with human behavior. And there's something about that initial quick loss that tends to, and not always, some people can just go slowly and they're just fine. But for there's a tendency for those who lose quicker in the beginning to, they don't do worse. That's a myth. People say you're just crash dieting and doing worse. Something about it may actually improve the outcomes. Now, in the end, 
it's all it, it, there's there's a shift in people's mindset of what they're thinking of eventually there becomes a long-term mindset so if in the beginning even with the slower weight loss there's a there's this like you know just keep going just keep going and they would do just as well but the problem is is that there's something about that initial weight loss and i think it has to do with like seeing those initial changes and being like this is uh this is positive uh, reinforcement i'm going to yeah. keep going it's motivating that's what i i think i can't you know say for sure so when it comes to the the, the new year's resolution thing it, it's it's still a mindset thing if somebody starts kind of making changes now and kind of prepping that's what i would say just start thinking of long term mindset and then if you want to hit it hard at the new year's i think it's fine but having that understanding that it's still going to be a long term thing um that that would be my suggestion but if you're a if you're a robot i would make you go slower less muscle loss um uh decreased risk of gallstones those types of things um and uh but if, if for some reason though again if i made you just lose weight since we're human if you lose weight quicker you're probably going to be like oh i like these changes yeah end those a lot of those people still regain their weight you know that does still happen it just tends to be that there's a the propensity or the the um more the higher ratio higher proportion of those people tend to do successful over the long run so i mean you know i i always i always think in terms of analogies and and like the way the way you're saying that i'm thinking about racing right and so like if you start a if you start a marathon thinking it's a hundred yard dash, and that you're going to hit the finish line, and you just sprint a hundred yards, and then you yeah. go like, "Well, I did it, and now I'm done." That's a recipe for failure, which is what I kind of feel like I was chasing the hundred yard dash over and over and over again yeah. because you do the hundred yard dash and you go like, "I was so fast for those mm-hmm. hundred yards. That's amazing, and you feel great." But then you're you can't go any further. You, you're yeah. done. But if you start off thinking it's it's a marathon, that's a really long Mm -hmm. in my could never run a marathon. But I think so. I think you could. I think you could. But it'd be an obscenely long distance. Yeah. Yeah. So but if I go like this is a marathon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. How do I get to the end and what's the fastest I can go for the first hundred yards, but still have enough in the tank to make it through the whole marathon? Like, that's what I'm thinking about. Get out ahead of people, but then find a pace that I can set for the long haul. Yeah, that's and that's reasonable. And, you know, the thing is, when you have more fat to lose, more adipose, you actually have less muscle loss, especially if you're if you're doing uh, resistance training. So you know, you can lose weight faster in the beginning. Yeah. It's not as much of a risk to lose muscle, especially if you're getting enough protein and, and, uh, and resistance training, resistance training is the most important. Then there's protein, but so I wouldn't worry about it so much. I tend to go like, you know, one, one to 2%. I mean, you and I talked, I think you were losing like, just, you might've been losing like 2% of your body, total body weight per week in the beginning. Huge it was just, amounts. It, it was, was so fast. Up. It was incredible. And then and then, you know, there was a point where it was like, OK, I have to go back to work. I can't do this at work because I, I do feel crappy, like I don't have energy. It's not it's yeah. very it's still hard, but there was enough, I guess. And I think it's true enough of a reward that I was still chasing it. Right. And mm-hmm. it took me a long time to go like this little sprint that I'm doing, I can't keep doing this sprint forever. So what is the next step after the sprint? But the sprint, I agree. I can't, I never regained the first 80 pounds, the first 80 truly. And it probably is a hundred because, because I, what I then went off to work in Romania and didn't have a scale to get on. Mm. So, and, and I dieted in Romania, um, but not in the same way, but then the next 200 after that, Whew, it was a battle. It was a, it was just a battle of like gaining and losing and gaining and losing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you started lifting though. I, I did. Love that's I what, love that's what really, that's what really changed it. That was when, and, and then, you know, I think that the principles where it's like, Oh, uh, lifting weight for, for muscle, it's, it's a slow, boring grind it's not yeah. powerlifting. You, you know for for me it wasn't powerlifting. i understand no. but like if if i look at like really fit people and i go like that's a cool body i'm not looking at powerlifters and thinking that generally you know, you know? <laughs> I, I think lane norton looks pretty good for a powerlifter but like yeah. if you look yeah. at the typical powerlifter the strongest it's- men guys that that's not it's a different. It's a different look. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. a different aesthetic. And it's like, great. You're really strong and you've got a gigantic gut. Okay. I don't want that gut. No. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, and I thinking about that actually just hurts my joints. Uh, yeah. <laughs> overall, but you, you've, you've somehow found a way to get into this kind of long-term mindset, despite the quick weight loss in the end. And it, maybe it took a few tries, you know, you, then you kept trying to do that same quick, mindset for the hundred, you know, the next 200 pounds and losing, regaining, losing, regaining. And somehow you figured it out though, which I think is just amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I am amazed too. And, and I, and I'm not sitting here going like everybody has to do what I have to do. 
That's that's not my opinion. I've talked to people, plenty of people who have lost weight and maintained weight loss, and they didn't do what I did. None of them did keto. Yeah. I mean, amazing. maybe that maybe they did keto, but they didn't at they one didn't, point. They didn't that's wake up them, 10 years yeah. later and go like, no, I've just I've not had a carbohydrate for 10 years and I don't ever think about portions or anything like that. No, I haven't seen it either other than on Twitter and they all yell at me. So right. <laughs> Doc, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on again. Anytime. Of course. Talk soon. And now for the Q and A. Here is a question for you from Geneva. Hi, Geneva. We got That's a, a nice gal. Name. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think it's a gal, right? Geneva's I think a gal, Geneva so. seems like a gal. Okay. As 2023 is rapidly approaching, I'm looking back at this year and my progress, not so bad. Lost 15 pounds of fat and got into a much more regular gym routine. However, I know when the first of the year comes around, I'm going to make some wild resolutions that I probably won't keep. That's what I usually do. Do you have any advice for how to make a more realistic goal or goals for myself when good old New Year's Eve comes around? Ooh, okay, Geneva. Let's really this get is into good the question. Yeah. <laughs> Can um, relate. <laughs> yeah, for for me, um, when I start to think about lofty goals, I will uh, try to break them down and see how realistic they are. And I think for me, that on certainly the short term, the the smaller components of the goal are way more important than the the bigger overall goal and and specifically with um regards to adherence so if i want to lose 20 pounds that doesn't seem like such an, a crazy goal but if i know that um you know the first 2 weeks of the year i'm going to be traveling with my wife through italy then maybe i don't want that goal to be i'm going to lose 20 pounds in january and so I want to make sure first and foremost that that what it takes to achieve the goal, so the smaller sub goals and all of the different mechanics that are going to go into the achievement of the goal, I want to make sure those are realistic and that I can really do it for a long period of time because I think that when things are too hard or for too long, it's it's very difficult to stick to them. So that that's really my recommendation for that. I think new year's resolutions are great. I, I know for myself that whenever I would be planning on something starting new year's day, that I would do as much as possible to sabotage the success of that leading up to new year's day. So like, you know, if, uh, December, 10th, I go like, ah, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in January. Um, by the time we get to January, it might actually now be 35 pounds that from the point that I had made the decision to lose 20 pounds. And that I think can be troublesome because you're nearly doubling your goal at that point. Right. And so I think that if, if I recognize that my life is unmanageable and I have this um, condition that I've not been confronting and and that's my goal, then I wouldn't set some numeric target for it. I would just, the goal would be, I'm going to get my life together and, and, and 
that doesn't have to start off so extreme. That could start off with baby steps and occur over the the length of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so relatable. That thing of like, I'm going to do this in January. And then it's like a case of the, you know, who cares from now till thens or whatever you want to call it. That is yeah. so relatable. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're hitting this time. Uh, you know what I mean? Like we're in that key time right now for all of this. Yeah, <laughs> I think we start, we start thinking about this now, right? Because yeah. who in America going on a diet mid-December or in December, that's like a, what are you doing to yourself? You're going to go be around people who want to celebrate with food and family get togethers that are all celebrated by food and then actual holidays that have food as the centerpiece and what holiday in America doesn't even birthdays are punctuated with a cake. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I think December is a tough time to make that. Now there's quite a bit you can do to mitigate any kind of making the situation worse in December. You, you don't have to celebrate with food. You can celebrate in many other ways, going on a hike, going for a swim, you know, go see a movie you like. Um, although we were, Brandy took me to a movie recently and then midway through she got up and left and came back with a popcorn and I thought I'm going to have a little popcorn and I reached my hand in there and threw a handful of popcorn in my mouth and had the most shocking, jarring crunch as I bit into a peanut M&M, which <laughs> definitely makes the popcorn quite a bit better, but like you're not expecting it. And then, and then you've had one and you're like, well, I guess I'm eating this now. And then I took it away from her and I just ate it. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, I know you re yeah, you re you really don't. You really do. Well, you guys are really good, though. I think about like you'll go on a hike even during, you know, like holidays when your family comes around or, you know, bike ride or this or that. Like, I feel like in the last, you know, most recent years, you guys are really good about that and making it not all food. But there is there is the food. There is the food. There is also an, uh, a very deliberate attempt to get our entire family outside yeah. and doing something active. And like that, you know, I think half the country is going to be under a white blanket of snow. And so that's not even always realistic, but can you play a board game? Can you um, make some art? Uh, I don't know what else people do inside. Can you a puzzle? You know, a puzzle. Sure. Yeah. There's lots of stuff you could do. Build a fucking fort with your furniture. You know? <laughs> yeah, That's totally. good for kids. Um, but it doesn't all have to be about food. I think for me, uh, it would be dishonest to say that I'm not always thinking about food on some level. I am. I'm always thinking about food. Right now, I'm thinking about um, taking a, a, a small container of Greek yogurt throwing some protein powder in a bowl, mixing it with a little bit of water and then mixing the yogurt in with it. And that's the thought I'm having. Like when we're done recording this, I'm going to go eat. If it was, you know, two days before Christmas right now, I would be thinking about Pillsbury Crescent rolls wrapped around ham and cheese toasted to perfection. You know, that's what I would be thinking about. And then I would be feeling guilty about thinking about that and deciding not to eat that. And then it would be a conflict. And like, it's, 
it's hard for me to escape that no matter what. And <clears throat> I can go, I've certainly gone on holidays where I don't indulge in anything. And then I've gone on holidays where I, all bets are off and I'm like feeling kind of sick every night. And like, I would rather find some middle ground, but the middle ground is very difficult for me, but it is yeah. there. Yeah. I totally hear you. Yeah. Let's not destroy ourselves this month. No, let's not. Let's not. It'll feel so much better in January to just not have that additional hill to climb. And I say additional because we're all going to set some goals for ourselves, you know? Exactly. Well, thank you, Geneva, for your question. Please let us know how it goes. And if anyone else has a question for Ethan, you can email it to us at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.